There are days when you are just not feeling it. Days where you feel like you've lost your mojo. If you're looking to get it back, then you've tuned to the right station. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Nice to have your company. Thanks for hitting the download button. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, jump onto iTunes, look for the square rectangular box that says subscribe. Hit that button and we will deliver a show to you each and every week. It's as simple as that. And whilst you're on iTunes, do us a favour, guys. Just get on to the ratings and reviews bit. Leave us a one-liner. It, it helps our mojo. It helps us find more people who want to get their mojo working. It helps spread the message and it sure is good of you to do it. So if you've done it, thanks. If you haven't done it, we'd really appreciate you getting onto iTunes, finding ratings and reviews leaving us a rating and or one line to say g'day. For those of you who are new to the show, what's the show all about? Well, Robbo and I just find interesting people that we think have their mojo working in and out of work. We chat to them, we steal their ideas, their concepts, their opinions, their tips and tools for helping get your mojo working and maybe even give you the tools so that you can help somebody else get their mojo working, maybe a friend, a workmate, or someone in your family. And driving the big beige bus <laughs> that is the Mojo Radio Show with the Valua seat covers, the lava lamp in the corner, and the Fish River Roasters espresso machine pumping out the caffeinated drinks for us, Robbo, Welcome to the show, mate. How's it oh, going, mate? You sound you make it sound much more sophisticated than it is. <laughs> <laughs> and what's with what's with beige this week? What happened to red? Is that is that a bit more of your mood this week? You're feeling a bit beige. Yeah, a bit beige, a bit taut, a bit <laughs> off-white. Bit of a come down after a, a, a week or so on the push bikes and all that sort of stuff. <sighs> yeah, the caffeine's worn off. I must say, mm, um, having had back. our Victoria coffee van with us twenty four seven on tour, there was yeah. a lot. We were knocking down eight kilos a yeah. day. They worked out. Yeah, I remember you hearing you guys talk about that in the interview. It's a lot of eight coffee. Eight kilos, <laughs> less than 200 people, eight kilos a day. Any mm. coffee shop would mm. love to have it. That's, that. that's the top end of, uh, of yeah. brew shops. But anyway, we digress. Um, interestingly, mate, we had a lot of lovely feedback last week on our guest Nicola Newman because we touched upon but didn't delve into the whole movement of digital nomads. That's right. Speaking of being on the road, we're going to speak about being on the road. Mm. Mm. And I found a couple of interesting things on this because I have been talking about this uh, when I'm out on the road doing speaking engagements. People quite often ask me to talk about trends that are going on around the place. And one particular trend that seems to be really taking a hold right now is this whole digital nomad. Now, the idea of a digital nomad, it's got nothing to do with age. This is just people now chasing a lifestyle. Now, my belief is that work-life balance doesn't exist anymore. It's just a blur. We're doing work 24 seven, we're trying to live our lives 24 seven, so it's just a blur. But what people do want is they wanna choose a lifestyle and a digital nomad is a person who can move around, be on the road, and all they really need is amenities and Wi-Fi connection. And an interesting post I saw a couple of weeks ago said that digital nomads fall into three categories. And it's either the person living in Airbnb and they travel from Airbnb to Airbnb and they do their work basically on their laptop. The second option is they buy a van and they live out of a van with their laptop and they pull up to amenities. Or the third one is the RV. And I know quite a few people, a bit like Nicola, who now have their van, are on the road, moving from place to place, no fixed address for either a short-term or a long-term period. And all they need is Wi-Fi connection. They can do work, make enough cash to live, um, and off they go. It's sounding like a real sort of lifestyle choice, isn't it? It's, um, you talk about stress and, and all that sort of stuff and what it's doing to us. There's one great way to, um, to reduce the work-life stress. There's one way to improve the work-life balance, I would think. I don't think people believe in work-life balance anymore because I don't mm. think you can. Because mm. I think of this connected nature of life now. Most people, the first thing they do to wake up in the morning is check their emails and their Instagram and their Facebook. It's the last thing they do before they go to bed. They're 
talking with friends and communicating and posting during meetings. So I, I think that's all blurred. Mm. But I think what people do want is they want lifestyle. They want to be able to do what they do when they want to do it. And that could be whether they want to exercise or journal or cook, do programming, do writing, do photography. Mm. Regardless of what they want as part of their lifestyle, I think people are now getting to a point where they say, I want to be able to control my life and do things where I want, when I want. If I want to work at 11 o'clock at night, I'm going to. If I want to go to the gym at 11 o'clock, I want to be able to go do that. And I don't want people having to tell me when and when I can't do stuff. And I think the digital nomad is this person who really wants a lifestyle. In a lot of cases, people who want to travel around the place. And I found a, in fact, a listener sent me a link this morning to a business called Roam, R-O-A-M. And this is really interesting, Robbo. At the moment, they've got, they're a startup. Mm. And they plan to have eight to 10 locations around the world, all in big capital cities. And they've started in places like uh, Singapore and Bali because it's kind of where the sun is and it's a great lifestyle location. The idea is that you pay a weekly or monthly rent. So, for example, you pay 500 bucks for a week or 1800 bucks for a month and you can live in any of the Rome locations in those capital cities around the world because that's your right. rent. Yeah, right. The idea of it, it's, it's not just uh, an Airbnb or renting a room, but the idea of it is it's a work and living space. It's shared living. Yeah. So you get your own room, and these places are beautiful, but you share bathroom and you share a kitchen, you share communal areas so mm. that when you arrive, say, in Abud, which is the one in Bali, immediately you're surrounded by people who are sharing the same experience but can give you an idea of what's happening locally and where to go. Yeah, right. So you might decide to crash there for three or four months and you go, oh, gee, I might move to Singapore. And as long as you've got your laptop and you have some sort of basic financial support going on, you just move around. And these places wow. are really, really cool. Yeah. And the, this just supports the digital nomad who wants to be on the road mm living a minimalist lifestyle. So the idea of this is all the trends fitting in together. So you have minimal possessions and you know that lifestyle is far more important than having lots of stuff. Mm. And you're able to travel from location to location, living this nomad lifestyle, mm. supporting yourself, but seeing the world. And what's really important with this is part of being a digital nomad is not being by yourself, but being able to share the experience with other people and immerse yourself in cultures and put yourself out there. So um, I thought this was an interesting one. It's called Rome. Yeah, right. We, um, when you think about it, you know, we were well ahead of the game 20-odd years ago when we were in radio. <laughs> Brisbane this year, Melbourne next year, Adelaide the year after that, <laughs> Perth after that, then back to Sydney. <laughs> we were well ahead of the game. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being at three states in one day. <laughs> <laughs> It is interesting, yeah. isn't it? I, and you made a really good point when we were talking about this before we started recording is, you know, the, the grey nomads have been at it for years. And, and I think the interesting thing is now that, you know, anybody, everybody's looking at it and going, well, why should I wait till I'm 65? I want to go do it now and I can, so I'm going to, yeah. you know, it's interesting, isn't and it? And I found another one, which is a similar version, Robbo, called Podshare. And it's a membership-based co-living working space. Mm. And they will rent you a sleeping space. So if you're a digital nomad, you're on the road. Mm. You hook up at these places. They basically give you a bunk. But once again, it's that shared working space, shared living space, get your own bunk. Mm. You rock in with minimal possessions. You get your laptop or your iPad to mm. be able to do your work with, but mm. you're in amongst other people living the same lifestyle. And this, this collaboration thing is very, very big. And it ties in with the minimalist movement, the tidy movement, digital nomad. I, I, I'm fascinated to see where it's going to go to because at the moment, I think it's said that in America, uh, 40 to 45% of the workforce is part-time or casual. Wow. And although the grey nomads have been doing it for ages, now I think it's not even an age thing anymore. It's just, here's what I want for my life. Mm. And couples are doing it. You know, mm. couples are buying a 
an Airstream caravan or buying an RV or a camper van or just going on the road and living in these places. And as long as you share a common, I guess, a, a common dream of how you see your life unfolding and you're happy being minimalist and lifestyle is more important than possessions, then this all, uh, this all kind of works, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like a lifelong vacation, really, isn't it? But you know what you'd have to have on your iPod? You'd have to have this. On the road again places that I've never been. <laughs> Seeing things that I've you can't never leave home without that, right? <laughs> well, I, I, I am fascinated by this and I, I love this whole concept of where we're going and how it's going to change. You think about if you're an insurance company. Yeah. If we have a large percentage of our population who are now moving from location to location, mm. they don't need insurance anymore. No, just for the RV. There you go. I mean, and there's even now insurance companies who insure cars by the day. So if I want to borrow your car, I can take a, a shot of your number plate and they'll insure me for an hour or two hours rather really? than me just borrowing your car and wow. me having to be on your policy because people don't want to own cars because of Uber and GoGet and yeah, all yeah. these rideshare. So all these things that are going on are going to influence so many industries and companies and categories. Yeah. That... I'm hoping our listeners take this on board and say, well, this cohabitat living, this co-sharing, co-living, being on the road, being nomadic, taking contract work more and more, how will this affect my business? And on the flip side, where does the opportunity lie? How can I capitalise on what is happening now and what's likely to happen in the future? And this is happening and these businesses, these startups are rocking and they're going really well like WeWork, I think just float on the New York Stock Exchange and it's a, a, a shared workspace where you can basically hire a desk in amongst a really cool, funky office. Mm. But you just get a desk, but you share a coffee machine, share communal lounges and everything else. Um, and it's going off. And I think the reason we got onto this trend that's going on is because of uh, last week's guest, mm. Nicola Newman, mm. who is doing just that exactly what we're talking about, yeah. only she didn't give it a title, she's just doing it. <laughs> mm. Mm. Do you know what's just occurred to me? Isn't it interesting, as a, as a society, as a race, we've almost come full circle. I mean, we were once nomadic because we had to be, because we had to survive and find things to eat. But now, I mean, well, I suppose you could say we are still doing it to survive, but in a different sort of way. We're doing it because, you know, we want to get out of the rat race. We want to get back to, you know, doing what we want to do. But, you know, we're becoming nomadic all over again. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were so many things that were right about our lives long before technology interrupted, isn't there? Wow, look at the whole food thing. We talked with Smithy, you know, our resident Joe radio show doc. Mm. Um, and he talked about food, you know, the paleo movement, ancestral food and raw mm. food movements and all these different movements people title up in order to be able to sell your program. Yeah. It all came back to kind of how life started was if That's it grows right. in the ground and you can chase it and catch it and kill it and eat it, then go it's all good. Life. So, yeah. yes, go. and one wonders where it's going to go. I just thought it was worth bringing up because I'd love our listeners to think about this and journal about where's the opportunity exists now and where will the opportunity exist into mm. the future to take advantage of this. Either do it yourself and go on the road. Uh, maybe you fancy being a, a nomad or your business can capitalise on this huge movement that's about to take place. So there you go. Yeah. Just before we go to the interview, I've just got to play a little bit more of this because I just love it. Road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friend. And I can't wait to get on the road again. And I can't wait to get on the road again. Joe Radio Show. So after talking about bike riding, after talking about jumping in our cars and taking off and becoming a digital nomad, and after talking about IP, this week we're going to master our mean girl. Is that right? That is right. Now, mm. I think it's fair to say it's mastering your mean girl or mean boy. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> Melissa Ambrosini is a mate of Nicola Newman, and Nicola introduced us because they have done some painting and artwork together. Okay. And Nicola thought that Melissa would be a fantastic guest for our show. Now, Melissa has just come back from the United States of America where she has been promoting and launching her book called Mastering Your Mean Girl. Mm. Uh, keynote speaker, 
works with lots of different people in helping them to be their best and get their mojo working. So we are delighted to have Melissa Ambrosini on the show. Melissa, welcome. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be able to talk to you. Just to put everybody in the picture, can you just give us a quick idea of, on a day-to-day basis, what sort of work you're doing and who are you doing it with? So basically, I guess there's kind of three umbrellas to my business. I'm an author. I've just launched my book, Mastering Your Mean Girl, which is about how to master that inner critic voice within yourself and live the life of your dreams. Um, Then I'm a speaker, so I do lots of motivational speaking and uh, seminars and workshops and groups and things like that all around the world. And then I create online products and programs, so online e-courses and e-books. And those three things is covered in the intention to help serve and inspire women to be the best versions of themselves and to become wildly wealthy, fabulously healthy and bursting with love. So I pretty much serve everyone. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Um, I, just, I guess because we are two guys on the show and we're a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, Melissa. Um, He's the country one. Can we have mean boys as well? I mean, I well, we're going to delve into mean girls in just a second because I want to hear about the book and what sits behind it and how we can use it. But I guess just from the two of us, um, is there a mean boy? Absolutely. Everyone, I like to call it the bad boy. Everyone has either (laughs) a bad boy or an inner mean girl. And basically, it's just another name for your ego. And you can call it your ego, you can call it your smallest self, your inner critic, your shadow self. You can call it Bob, you can call it Mary. I just like bad boy and mean girl. And everyone has an ego. And obviously, some people's is going to be louder than others. And that's dependent on the person, but everyone has that voice inside their head that at some point said, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not buff enough, you're not working hard enough, you're not earning enough, you're not whatever enough. Um, I'm sure you guys can relate. Yeah, yeah. And is the book, the Mean Girl book, is it essentially how you would go about taking control of that voice, Melissa? Is that kind of the context of the book? Yeah, the book, uh, you know, the title says that it's about mastering your mean girl, the no BS guide to silencing your inner critic and becoming wildly wealthy, fabulously healthy and bursting with love. And I know everyone wants a little bit more of that. Yeah. And this, this voice inside of us, this inner critic, is it your belief that at times that can also be valuable? Like I know there's talk obviously sure. about this can hold you back. The flip side of that is how well, can it be valuable and if it can, how how would you suggest we use that voice to our advantage? Oh, sure, absolutely. Like your inner, inner critic, the inner voice is um – you know, that voice is going to say, don't walk down that alleyway. You know, don't don't do that. Don't go down that. Do not get in that car with that person. You know, that voice is there to keep you safe as well. And it doesn't really know any better. It's just trying to keep you safe. Your intuition, on the other hand, is that gut feeling. And that doesn't really mm. necessarily speak to you so much in words as your ego does. Um, it's more a feeling, you know, when you get that intuition, that feeling, it's like, oh, I don't know, something just doesn't feel right here. Like this situation, I don't know what it is. I can't logically work it out, but something in my gut is just saying that this isn't right or that I shouldn't sign this contract or that I shouldn't get on this plane or that I, you know, something in my intuition is just speaking to me right now and I need to listen to it. Tell, tell me how... How do I order the difference, Melissa? I find this very interesting. How do I order the difference between the mean girl voice, which is potentially holding me back, perhaps my intuition, which is giving me something valuable that I should or shouldn't act upon? How do I I order out of those things the right bits to take action upon or the right bits that I should be aware and not take action? It's very simple. One makes you expand 
and one makes you contract. Mm. And mm. when you're highly aware and tuned in with your body and conscious, you will feel the difference. Mm. You know, you will feel the difference and it's our responsibility to act accordingly and follow that. You know, when mm. you're doing something out of fear, you will contract. You'll, you will feel tight. You will feel rigid. And when you're doing something, you know, that's your truth, you'll feel expansive. Mm. You just spoke about fears and I think it's fair to say that fears hold many people back from the opportunity to really chase their dreams and to do the things they desire. How do you, how do you personally handle the fears? I mean, if you are a, an author, you've just come back from the States from launching your book, which, you know, is, is, a, is, a, is a big deal. You're speaking on big podiums. How do you, what the process do you go through to handle your own personal fears today? I take myself through my three-step master and your main goal process. Um, daily and that process is very simple the first step is um, awareness we need to become aware of the things that that inner voice is saying to us and maybe it's um, you're not smart enough or you're not qualified enough to Mm. launch your dream business and so once you are aware that that's what she or he is saying, then you've shone light on something that was dark, is no longer dark, and you can't unknow what you already know. So I find writing it down, I find writing down, my main girl is currently telling me that I'm not smart enough or I'm not qualified enough to start my dream business or my main girl is currently telling me that I'm never going to heal from X or my main girl is currently telling me I'm never going to meet the man of my dreams or whatever it is. So getting it out of your head and onto paper is so important. Awareness is the first step. The second step is gently closing the door on that thought. So it's not about killing the ego or smashing Mm. the ego. When that thought pops up, it's about saying thank you, but no thank you. Like envision like an annoying salesperson who comes knocking on your door, trying to give you the big spiel about what they're trying to sell. You just say thank you, but no thank you. I'm not interested today. Um, you wouldn't invite them in and let them give you their whole big spiel and let them hang hang out and sleep over and wear your clothes and sleep in the middle of you and your partner. And you wouldn't slam the door in their face and tell them to F off. You'd say thank you, but no thank you. Mm. And when those fear-based, egoic thoughts, inner critic thoughts pop up in your head, it's about once you're aware of it, once you've become aware of it it's about saying thank you but no thank you and then the third step is choosing love instead so sliding back down into your heart getting reacquainted with your intuition and going okay well what is my truth here Mm. and then following that instead so if you follow that three-step process you will be well on your way to mastering that inner critic voice within your head. And you may have to do it several times a day. You know, mm. women have between sixty and 80,000 thoughts a day. Men have around 40,000. So you might be doing it 40,000 times a day. But the more you practice it, like anything, it's like the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. You know, the more you go to the gym and do your squats, the tighter your booty is going to get. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that Robbo's 40,000, the majority of those, Melissa, are about Tim Tams and Monte Carlos. But yeah. uh, we should uh, we should labor <laughs> on that point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where, where in your past, Melissa, did you start to become aware of your mean girl? I mean, you've got a very interesting backstory, which I'm sure you could take us through. Where, what was it that had you discover the mean girl and brought it to your consciousness so you could go through these three steps? The first spot that I really became aware of it was I ended up in hospital in 2010, so six years ago, I ended up in hospital after I'd burnt the candle and there was no more candle left to burn. And I was very unwell and very unhappy. So I had a whole host of health issues and I was had depression. And I ended up in hospital um, incredibly unhappy and unwell. And when the doctors plonked this tray full of drugs in front of me and said, you know, you've got to take this indefinitely. 
I knew that that wasn't good enough for me. I knew that there was another reason, another way. And I didn't really know what that was. I just knew it wasn't good enough for me. My intuition was like, uh-uh, there's, there's got to be another way. And so I went and went fully down the holistic health route and immersed myself in, you know, nourishing my body. And then I began, um, you know, doing yoga and really connecting the mind, body, spirit aspect of things. But then I realized that none of that mattered if I didn't have what was going on in between my ears sorted. Mm. And you can be doing yoga, chanting, drinking green juice and bone broth until the cows come home. But if you haven't mastered your mean girl or your bad boy, you're wasting your time and your money. And Mm. I realized that I was still doing yoga and drinking green juice, but my mean girl was still incredibly loud and incredibly mean. So I had to master that voice inside my head and it's like mastering the piano or mastering any sort of skill. You have to practice it daily. So that was when it first kind of became really prominent to me. But when I reflect back, I remember when I was 20, my mean girl really became quite loud around that time in my life. And that was when I just moved to Paris to dance the Moulin Rouge. And I witnessed all of these beautiful women just call themselves fat and ugly all the time, all day, and want to change their bodies and microscopically analyze every pore and cell on their body in the mirrors and say the most God-awful things to themselves. And this planted severe seeds in my mind that maybe I too wasn't good enough, pretty enough, smart enough, skinny enough. Reflecting back, that's when it really started to, those seeds started to water and flourish. It's it's fascinating, Melissa, because I, I, looking through your book, hearing your story, it seems that you had the world at your feet. I mean, you're living in Paris, dancing Moulin Rouge, seemingly from a young age, all you wanted to do was dance. It brought you the greatest joy. So you're living your dream. You're a beautiful woman. You're traveling. You're in amongst, people would say, the idyllic environment. How did, when do you look back, how did it run off the rails? Like when, when seemingly people are chasing their dream, you're living in the dream, doing exactly what you wanted since a very young age as a child. You'd worked so hard for it. You'd had it all how how does it how did it run off the rails looking back for you? I guess there was a series of events that just accumulated and really bruised my ego and really diminished my self worth and my value. And one of those was going to the Moulin Rouge and being surrounded in that type of environment and that industry where you would go to auditions and you just get told no or you're not good enough or we don't want you and then had a really serious um, breakup where a guy was cheating on me and that again really really diminished my self-worth and over the years my mean girl just got louder and louder and louder and to the point where I was dealing with anxiety and panic attacks and depression and an eating disorder and mm. all these things that were just a representation and a reflection of my internal state. And I was very good at pretending that I was okay and something that I'd watched my parents do all their life. You know, my, my parents are very good at sweeping things under the carpet and just soldiering on and we weren't ever taught to express our emotions or our feelings. It was like it was about pulling the socks up and forging forward and being strong and soldiering on. And so that was not something that I'd um, ever been exposed to. So the mm. inner turmoil just continued to grow and grow and grow until I ended up in hospital. And it wasn't a matter of um, it all disappeared after that. Like I continued to really peel back layers and really let go of a lot of 
uh, stinky habits and mean girl habits that I had accumulated over the years to finally get to a place where um, I'm content in my own skin. And that doesn't mean I feel content in every single moment of every single day because everything's always changing and moving and growing and evolving. So it's just a matter of finally being at a place where joy is now my default setting and not Mm. fear. I'm interested to hear about, um, you were talking about that a bad relationship breakup was one of the things that put you in that place. And it's not just you, it's a theme that's occurred through the through episodes of this program over the last couple of months about people who have had bad breakups and it's put them in this really dark place. I'm interested to know what you told Bad Girl on your road to recovery about relationship breakup and what sort of effect it should have on your life. Well, he, you know, we were going to get engaged and we'd gone and tried on engagement rings and we were very in love, so I thought, and very happy and so I thought as well. Um, And then I found out he was cheating on me and it absolutely tore my heart apart. Like Mm. I had never felt heartache like this before in my entire life. And, you know, people had always told me about breakups and I never really understood what it felt like when someone said your heart feels like it's been ripped out of your chest and stomped on by thousands of people wearing six inch stilettos. I actually (laughs) understood what that felt like. And Mm. from there, I'm a very visual person. And from (laughs) from there, I spiraled really down into deep depression. Mm. Um, I lost a lot of weight because I was so devastated and I just, it's not that I wasn't eating, I was just so anxious and, and the cortisol and adrenaline that was running through my body was at an all-time high and mm. uh, the weight just was falling off me. Um, and I was, yeah, very unhappy and very unwell and I did the most sensible thing that I thought at the time, which was lock my heart off to anyone ever getting back into my heart because I thought, well, my main girl told me that we should lock it off because then I can't get hurt again. Mm. And so that's what I did. And I now look back on that time and it took me years to get to this place. And it doesn't have to take years, but I have so much love and gratitude for that man because he taught me so much about myself and about self-worth and self-love. And I've gotten to a place now where I just feel love and gratitude. When I think about him, I just feel feel very neutral um, and gratitude and love because of the time that we got to share. You've, You've talked about emotional detachment in some of your work, Melissa, and... Is, is it your thought today that the world around us is creating more and more emotional uh, detachment? And the reason I ask that question, I'm interested in your views, is that there is a lot being written now by positive psychologists and so on, saying that the world we're living in, that envy as an emotion is quite rife and increasing, yet our ability to empathise is at an all-time low And I'm just interested in your thoughts on that based on your work with emotional detachment and what you just said then about the emotions you went through and rejection not being worthy. Where do you think we're at? I think there's a couple of things here. Expectations are a biggie. And when we place expectations on ourselves or other people, that is the quickest way to ruin any relationship expectations ruin relationships. If you want to feel disappointed, go and put an expectation on your wife. If you want to feel disappointed, go put an expectation on your kids. That is the quickest way to feel disappointment. And that doesn't mean that you can't, you won't get things done or um, people will walk all over you. Instead of placing expectations on people, just allow them to show up as their full, 
whole, unique, authentic self. And when they show up as their full, whole, unique, authentic self, you are, it allows you to show up as your full self. And what happens is then we're just surrounded by people who are their true selves and who aren't shooting all over the place and placing expectations on everyone to be and act a certain way. So I think that's really important. Expectations. Look at where you're placing expectations on others and on yourself. And the second thing that I wanted to talk about, emotional baggage. It's it's not about feeling bliss and joy and happiness and rainbows and unicorns all day, every day. That is not reality. I don't know anyone who feels bliss. 24-7. And if you do, I'd like to meet you. Can we have a cup of tea? I'd really like to meet you. <laughs> um, because we live in a world where we live in a modern society and we're going to feel anger. We're going to feel frustration. We're going to feel sadness. We're going to feel grief. And sometimes we might feel all of those things within the space of three minutes. But allowing yourself to fully feel any emotions and feelings that bubble away inside you is part of the process. And a lot of psychologists say it's about getting rid of those feelings and getting rid of them and getting rid of them. It's not about getting rid of them. Allow yourself to fully feel them. And when you allow yourself to fully feel any sort of emotion, it only lasts between nine and 12 seconds. And if you fully allow yourself to feel the anger for 9 to 12 seconds and get so angry, you can then, after you've fully felt it, you can be like, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm, I can let that go now. And you can make a conscious choice to let that go. Or you can make a conscious choice to hold on to it. And there's times where I hold on to things and I'm aware that I'm holding on to them, but I'm like, guess what, I just want to suffer right now. And that's the truth. I am having one big giant pity party for myself. I'm aware I'm having a giant pity party for myself. So just let me have a pity party for myself. And then there's times where you can catch it really, really quickly. And you're like, okay, cool. I can see that I'm suffering. I'm, I can choose to let that go right now. And you can drop it in an instant. I think we just picked up a new term for the Mojo Show, Gary. Pity party. Pity party. I'm going to say, <laughs> mate, I reckon that's gold. And that is gold in them, their hills. I love that. It's a pity party. I have a whole section in my book called the Pity Party Dance-Off. That's about allowing yourself to fully feel the emotions and then um, letting them go quickly. We should be pretty careful here, though, Gaz. We did do a show on IP a couple of weeks ago. We should ask her permission to use Pity Party before we go ahead with that. Copyright, Melissa Rembrandt. That's right. Yeah. Um, with, with where you're going with the Pity Party and emotional detachment, certainly some of that must come from our own beliefs or the beliefs we carry. And you've spoken about not taking on other people's beliefs. And one of the examples you gave was at a point in your life, you took on your dad's beliefs about money and you had to deal with that and go, well, actually, I've got my own beliefs about that. I guess the question is, how do we, how do we establish our own beliefs? And once we have them, how do we become comfortable to know that it is your belief and it's okay for you to believe that? Great question. I think that we're never taught this in school. They never sit us down in our final year and say, okay, well, you're all unique and beautiful and individual beings. What do you believe around health? And what do you believe around money? And what do you believe around relationships? And they never do that. And so we just mm. inherit unconsciously our parents, usually our parents' beliefs uh, and until you get to a point where, you know, maybe you don't, but I got to a point where I was like, hang on a minute. Like, this isn't even my belief around money. Like, this is what my dad believes. And it was quite like, it was like the lights went on for me. I was like, holy smokes, I've been walking around for 24 years with my dad's belief around money. And that's okay, but... It's not what I believe. So what I did, and I do this throughout my book, um, I give you, you know, this is why we do it in the book. I get you to write down your beliefs around money. What do you believe? I believe, I, Melissa Ambrosini, believe that money is just energy. I believe that it is there as a form of exchange for something that we truly value. 
That is my belief around money. You know, back when I was younger, my belief was that money was scarce, that it was hard to come by and that uh, you had to hold on to every cent that you had out of fear of not getting any more. So I wrote down this belief, my new belief of what I believe. It made me, the reason I knew it was my belief is because it made me, going back to what we said before, it made me expand and not contract. When I said my dad's belief around money, it made me contract. When I said my belief around money, it made me expand. So I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I stuck it on my fridge. And I told my partner and... I said, these are my beliefs. And he said, great. And I said, and I wrote down all my beliefs. I wrote down my beliefs around, you know, parenting and I, my beliefs around childcare and my beliefs. Are, I just wrote down my beliefs around anything that was quite pom- prominent in my life at that time. I shared them with my partner. I stuck them on my fridge and I made sure I lived accordingly to them. Melissa, we're conscious of your time. A couple of, just a couple of quick things. Um, one thing, Robbo and I talk often about kids and raising children to be princes and princesses of possibility, raising them with a certain degree of resilience. Uh, The word that comes up a lot on the show is grit. I was interested in your perspective now, looking back on your childhood, that you had a period where you loved to dance, your parents were very supportive of you, you went to one of the best dancing schools in the country, but coupling your dancing in this school with your schoolwork, you pretty much drove yourself into the ground. Mm-hmm. Weren't getting the sleep. You were snacking on the run, not looking after yourself. And I'm just interested in your perspective now of looking back on that. You just mentioned your beliefs about children or childcare. What's your view on raising children to be children and the balance between their dreams, knowing what's right from wrong, time out to be a kid, like how, how are you placed in it? Because I know you have the family of your own. What's your view on, in your experience of being a parent now, how would you do things differently based on how you were brought up? <laughs> I would do everything differently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good answer. <laughs> uh, no, I, and I do, I parent very differently to how my parents brought me up and that I don't I love my parents very much and I think they did an amazing job uh, given the knowledge and understanding and the, the yeah the knowledge that they had at the time and everyone is always doing the very best they can with the knowledge and understanding that they have at that time and my parents did that um and I don't blame them. I have nothing but love in my heart for my parents. I really do. I love them so much. They're beautiful people and I'm obsessed with them. Um, but my husband and I do do ver- things very differently. But it's a juggle. I don't like to use the word balance because I think striving for balance can sometimes give your um, main girl an opportunity to come in and go, well, you're not balanced and you're a bad mother. So I don't, I like, it's like a juggle. It's, you know, sometimes this area of your life needs more attention. So you go over there and it's a bit being, it's about being able to pivot quickly. And with parenting, you know, one of the biggest things that we instill in Leo is gratitude. You know, it's, if there is something that I want him to grow up knowing and, and experiencing is, is having an attitude of gratitude. Because if you adopt an attitude of gratitude, then you, the way you look at life and things is very different. And so we, over dinner, we, um, we have a couple of rituals over dinner and one of the rituals is we go around and we each say three things that we're deeply grateful for and we try we're not allowed to say the same thing we've ever said before so we have to dig and search (laughs) through our day and find something from our day that we're deeply grateful for and it's a beautiful exercise to do with your kids it's beautiful um and it, yeah, it's it's really something that we want to instill in him. Then there's also, you know, you you want to instill um, 
you want to allow them to play and you want to allow them to express their creativity. You know, that's another big thing and you want to allow them to be a kid. But then you also want to start to teach them about money and responsibility. And, um, okay, if you want to buy X, you know, why don't we do some chores around the house so that you can get X amount of money and then if you do 10 chores, you get this much. Like, you know, we want to teach him about budgeting and about the value of things and stuff like that. So we do that, but, um, you know, and then we're very supportive of him creatively. I think that's something that's really important. Um, and then as well, you know, one of the biggest things is I have to remind myself, he's 10, right? I have to remind myself that he is still a kid. Um, and because he's so wise and anyone who's met him will know he's a very old soul. He's very sensitive. He's very, he's very, he's been here many times before and he's not like other 10 year olds. Uh, like I just, he blows my mind and I forget, I sometimes forget that he is still a freaking kid. And my husband will say, babe, he's a kid. And I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, so I have to remind myself, um, of that because he he's just he's very he's very wise and old but I think it's it's a juggle it's you know flowing and being able to pivot and being able to instill different things and I guess for us the biggest thing that we want him to walk away with after you know whenever he leaves the nest at 18 or whatever age it is is I want him to go, you know, my parents really taught me about gratitude and the importance of gratitude. I, I would love, I would love that. And we have a very spiritual existence and we meditate and we do yoga and we include him and, in, you know, we take him to um, chanting circles and we take him to goddess groups and we take him to all sorts of crazy wild things and we expose him to that because you know I, I think it's great to expose your children to everything and let them choose. I think Robert we should go one of these goddess circles that sounds, uh, that sounds interesting. I'm interested in a goddess circle definitely. <laughs> no one <laughs> although I'm not sure you'd call me a goddess. <laughs> no, true. In the tutu. You, uh, you are a god. You'll have to go to the Version. Yeah, right. Oh, God. <laughs> you are a god. Not Isn't the that, god, you are on. a god. But can I, can I just suggest, wouldn't a god a circle for men be called the pub? <laughs> true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Lisa, um, just before we let you go, what's the, I think people would be curious, what's the first hour of your day look like? What time do you rise and what's the first hour or so of your day? And do you have any morning rituals? I do, I do. Um, I call the first hour of my, my day my self-love hour. And it doesn't always go exactly the same. It's, you know, yeah. we have um, Leo one week on and one week off. So we share him with, we share custody with his mum. And... So the weeks that we have him looks very different because I have to make breakfast and school lunches and do drop-offs. Yeah. So it looks different. But usually, and, and the, the weeks that we have Leo, I, I get up at 5.30 to um, fit in my hour of self-love. And the weeks that we don't have Leo, I can push it back to 6 or 6.30, depending what time I've gone to bed. Um, but for me, eight hours sleep is a non-negotiable. I try and get into bed nice and early and then I try and rise early um, and I roll over and kiss my husband and the first thing I say is what are three things you're grateful for and he says three things and then I say three things and then uh, it's usually meditation for 20 minutes um, and some form of movement either I'll do yoga on my bedroom floor in my pajamas or I will head to a class like a yoga or Pilates class yep. and then um, sometimes you know if I'm feeling like I would love a little bit of guidance from the angels I pull an angel card um, hmm. and then I and then I do some you know dry body brushing and I jump in the shower and make myself some brekkie and get ready for the day but I mean I don't have an extensive um morning routine, but gratitude, meditation, movement are the three non-negotiables in the morning for me. What's dry body brushing, just out of interest? It is like, a, it's... it's um, it sounds uncomfortable. It's, no, it's beautiful. It's just like a, 
a brush that you brush over your skin and it just um, improves circulation and it uh, gets rid of cellulite and dead skin cells and ah. it's just like a it's like a body scrub type ah. of thing. There you go. Sorry, you just piqued my interest in. I thought, well, that sounds uncomfortable, <laughs> but it's obviously the well, opposite. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really beautiful. It, really, it basically improves circulation around your body. So yeah. if you're someone who gets really cold hands and feet, mm. you know, it's, mm. it would be a great thing for you to do. There you go. That's probably a good thing for you, Robert, because you get cold feet, <laughs> don't you? No, I'm, I'm, I'm no, serious. I get hot had... feet. I get the opposite. I get a hot... Hot feet, that's right. <laughs> this well, goes maybe back it's... a few episodes, Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> I get this really weird thing. I wake up in the middle of the night and my, my left big toe is really hot. <laughs> Oh, that's so weird. I know don't that's, I know that's left ask. of field, but it, it came up a few episodes ago and like Gary won't let me forget it now. That may be out of your realm of expertise, Melissa. Um, I might try the body brush on my toe, see how that goes. <laughs> Just um, one last thing, Liz, before we let you go. The, um, you talked about uh, in your three steps, which I love, you talked about awareness, listening to the voice and writing it down. Are you a journaler? Yeah, I, I not so much anymore. Um, but when I first embarked on this journey six years ago, I journaled my heart out. I really mm. did. And it's, journaling is an amazing form of self-therapy. And I journaled and journaled and journaled and journaled and journaled with tears streaming down my face. And it was a great way to really you know, peel back some onion layers and get to know myself. And I don't feel the desire to journal as much these days. And and um, if, if something's on my mind, I will pull out my journal yeah. and have a little, um, have a little write. But I don't feel, you know, in the past it was on my bedside table and I, I did it every morning or night. And now it, it'd be, you know, I might do it once every couple of weeks. It just, I just don't feel the desire right now in my life. So Gaz, I reckon it's about that time. I think Melissa is sufficiently warmed up to, um, to face the big question. I'm not sure what you think. Well, oh, I God, think I'm so. Scared. No, this is, I think, I think, look, I've taken a lot out of this interview. I think it's been fantastic. And I, I think that in order for us to express our attitude of gratitude, we should mm give Melissa a chance to tackle the big one. Yeah, I think so. I, I think she's earned it. So, um, Melissa, you've, you've, you're up at 5.30 in the morning. It's a little bit early for you on this particular day and, you know, you, your dry body scrubbing and the yoga on the bedroom floor just haven't really got your mojo going. I'm wondering, um, as you hop in the car to head off to your, your yoga class or, or take your little boy to school, what the song might be that you put on your headphones or in, on in the car to get your mojo flowing that day? Oh, my husband's song, Little Lover by Broadhurst. Okay, I don't know that one. That's the first Little time I've ever Lover been stumped. By Broadhurst. Yeah, I don't know that one. Where can we find oh, that? Well, you are in for a treat. Yeah, okay. So how, how did you come across this? Is it, is it, it's, it's obviously not a commercial track. I haven't heard it on the radio or anything. Is it out of a, a movie or something? No, it's my husband's first single. He's just released it. Oh, oh cool. There you go. There's a plug there too. Fantastic. Well, well let's play it. That, that is genuinely, though, what I put on if I'm feeling crappy, if I'm feeling like I need a boost and what we listen to on the way to school. We listen to all these tracks and we know all the words, obviously. Um, but that's what Leo and I listen to on the way to school. Well, there you go, guys. I think we should get it on. Let's get us played. So would that be, I loved hearing you talk about Leo and I'm going to let you go a second, but I'm just curious that as a kid who's been here before and as a kid way beyond his years, would that be his go-to song to get his mojo working as a 10-year-old? <laughs> Do you know what? I think it would be. He's, um, he gets so lit up when he listens to his daddy's music and it's really beautiful uh... to watch. That's great. I think that is uh, that is super cool. You well, know, it's funny, Gary. I try to play my kids' promos, and they just walk out of the room and go, "Dad, that's boring." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Melissa, this has been lovely. I, I love your content. I love your backstory is incredible. I think that you are helping a lot of people. You are being great service around the world to people, and. 
uh, where people who will want to find out more about you get a hold of the book uh, and will want to know more about your speaking and your programs, where would you send them? You can head to melissaambrosini.com um, and anything book-related, masteringyourmango.com. You can get my Mastering Your Mango book, my program, my 10-week activation program, or my Mastering Your Mango meditations. And I've got heaps of free meditations and other free goodies if um, you want to head there and check that out. And Little Lover by Broadhurst, is that on iTunes? Is that where we go? Yeah, you can get it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all those amazing places. Oh. Awesome. All right, we'll, we'll put links to all that in the show notes mm. so people can um, find Little Lover and have a listen and go and check out your book. So thanks for your time today, Melissa. It's really nice to be able to connect with you and um, I hope we have the opportunity to talk to you again soon. Oh, thanks, guys. And I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing and for having me on the show and for all the love that you're spreading around the world. That's very nice of you. Thank it you. Is, isn't it? Lovely. You've got my mojo working. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. I'll tell you what, I, um, I think Melissa has got some very, very good content. I think our listeners are going to like that one. I think that's a big one. Absolutely, another big one. Gold and then their Mean Girls. <laughs> now, before we wrap, I just want to say a special thank you to some people who did leave a review for us. Josh went on and gave us a five-star review and said, Excellent. Eliza went on and said, great guests, five stars. Nice. And the one I loved was from Hugh, who said, consistently great, didn't take long to become one of my must-listen podcasts. A bit of humour. Oh, really? Is he laughing at us or with us? Got the right show, Hugh. <laughs> and always great guests. I learn something new every week and always come away inspired. Well done, guys. Keep up the great work. And Hugh, we plan to, my friend, we plan to keep wow. bringing it. So there you go. i got to say, Robbo, it really brings a smile to my face, makes me feel really good. But just people going online, just one line's all we want. Yeah. Give us a rating. And uh, we don't have any, uh, as our American friends say, no advertisements. No. We're open to it. Yes. <laughs> no sponsorship. We don't beat up our own stuff. We don't sell apps and cookbooks and mm. products mm. and oils and everything else. We do it for the love of it. We do it to bring the mojo and uh, it certainly helps a lot. So, folks, get on. Ratings and reviews on iTunes. One line. Take you less than 60 seconds. Good, the bad, and the ugly. We can yep. take it. Yeah, and we might even give you a shout out. Hey, uh, someone else who's um, who's got their mojo going this week and another big fan of the Mojo Radio Show actually is, um, remember former Wallaby George Smith? Do you remember him? Yes. He was around for a long time. Yeah, well, I do. he's 35 years old. He's still playing in England and he actually took out, just took out the Players Player of the Year in England at 35. Not a, a bad big, effort. big fan of the show. He is a big fan of the show. He listens constantly oh, and look. emails regularly. You know he's like in the dressing room, Robbo? Oh, of course. It's, it's just, oh, and he's always, he'll, he'll pack down and say, great scrummage, boys, that was gold. That's right. If the, if the opposition halfback drops the ball, it's not like, oh, mate, have you got anything better than that? It's, mate, you should be listening to the Mojo Show. Yeah, he'll tell it. He, he carries his journal. In the back of his jersey, he carries the journal. And he's always saying, great call, Riff. That's, That's gold. Right. Exactly. That is gold, that my is friend. Gold. It's beautiful. Good on you, George. Great shout out. So, um, One of my favourite footy players, George. I've got a play out song. You've got one. Okay, cool. Let's go. I, I haven't got any many country CDs, but let's see what you come up with. It is one of the favourite bands of some of my family. The yeah. band is called Sugarland. Right. The song is called Mean Girl. Stick with it, folks. Turn it up loud and we are out. Nice.
Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.